morning, everyone. Thanks, Edels, for your kind words. No pressure, bro. <laughs> um, but morning, everyone. It really is such a privilege to share with you guys this morning. And shout out to all the fathers. Happy Father's Day. And to my dad online watching. I love you so much. And to Craig, who is watching our little girl. You're an amazing dad. And um, yeah, I am super excited um, to, to share into this area of acting justly. And just to say thank you so much for um, Hilton Jin, who have just given me the platform this morning. It really is such a privilege, and I don't take it lightly. And also, um, just a shout out to Hilton Cole. Cole was actually supposed to um, share this morning. He's still in isolation. And so I got asked on Tuesday. <laughs> and uh, so it was a team effort with Hilton Cole and myself of kind of just putting this preach together. But um, thank you so much for your input and your notes. And um, yeah, it's, hasn't it just been such an awesome series so far that we've been doing on the prodigal response? And um, Cole spoke so well last week on walking humbly with God. And next week, uh, Hilda's going to be sharing into loving mercy. And today I'm going to be sharing with you guys on what it means to act justly. And so when um, I got asked to share about this topic, the first thing that came into my mind was um, a video that the Bible Project, has anyone heard of the Bible Project before? I'm not sure. Um, powerful, powerful ministry where they create these amazing animations explaining the Bible in such powerful ways. And they have created this video all about justice from a biblical perspective. What is um, justice from God's view? And why should we um, want to act justly? Why is God asking us to act justly? The theme for um, this, this series that we're doing is from Micah 6 verse 8. And it says, He has shown us, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so we're going to watch that video up front, and then I'm going to just share a few points um, after that. So enjoy. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. 
Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. 
God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's go. Honestly, I feel like we could just walk out of here with, with that. It's just so powerful. But if you would allow me just to um, take some time just to unpack that a little bit and share into some of the statements um, and just some thoughts that I, that I had around this video and, and what it means to act justly. And so the first point that I want to share with you guys this morning uh, is to seek out and don't stay stiff-necked or don't have a stiff neck and you're like what the heck are you talking about um but there's two things just i want to highlight before i go into that um i love the definition of justice the hebrew word where it spoke about the two different types of justice the retributive justice where you've done something wrong and you pay the consequence um but they were saying that it's more than that that um restorative justice seeking out people who have been taken advantage of and helping them. And so my point regarding don't be stiff-necked. Anyone woken up with a stiff neck before? <laughs> Those online, I don't know about you, but it is one of the most horrible feelings ever. And you know, you're not created to walk around with a stiff neck. It's the most awkward thing when you're like trying to talk to someone and you're like, eh, what did you say? And it's just like you're so rigid and you can only see kind of what's in front of you and you battle to kind of just function normally. And so yesterday morning, I woke up out of the blue with a stiff neck. I'm like, I sleep on the same pillow. I sleep the same way every single night. And out of the blue, I'm, I woke up with a stiff neck. I'm like, Come on, Jesus, not this morning. I need to prepare. I don't want to be in pain while I'm preparing, God. And this is going to sound crazy, and maybe I am a little crazy, all right? But I really just, as I just kind of woke up and I was like, oh, I've got the stiff neck. I'm like, why do I have the stiff neck? I really felt kind of just these thoughts pop into my mind, and I, I felt it was kind of the Holy Spirit speaking to me through this. And just the idea that we were not meant to live with stiff necks, that we will do whatever it takes. We'll go to the physio, we will pay the cost, we will sort it out as quickly as possible to get that movement back, to be able to function normally, to be able to look around, that we, um, that we don't want to live with this pain of having a stiff neck, that that is not the original intention of how we meant to live. And it was kind of like the same idea of with acting justly, is that we often we'll just focus on our own problems, that we don't seek out, that we're kind of living with these kind of stiff necks where it's just our problems and, and our world and kind of it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And in SA, in South Africa, like I think we see so much injustice that we become numb to the injustice that is happening around us. And what I wanna make a point is that we can't get used to living with the pain of injustice. That we should do whatever it takes to kind of be able to move our heads, to seek out those who have been taken advantage of, that we would do whatever it takes, pay the cost to sort out our stiff neck. Does that make sense? And then when I was thinking about these thoughts, I was like, are you just being like trying to be creative, like super spiritual of like, hmm, you know, like let me try and be clever with this. And, and I was like, God, 
like, is this from you? Like, this, uh, this thought of, like, don't be stiff-necked. And I was like, it's just, it's random, you know? It's, it's a weird kind of concept. I don't often wake up and be like, hmm, how is this relating to what God is saying to me? But I really felt that, okay, God, I'm going to test you on this. Like, if this is what you're kind of, these thoughts, and it is from you, I am going to Google, okay, like, the definition of being stiff-necked, and then also, I'm going to Google some scriptures on being stiff-necked. Yes, as pastors, also Google scriptures, okay? <laughs> we don't know everything all the time. Well, I don't know, just, at least it's just me. But um, so as I was uh, Googling what it means to be stiff-necked um, and Googling a scripture, scriptures that relate to that, the first one that I clicked on that came up, for me, it was confirmation, and it was very humbling, and it was very challenging. And just to say, in this area of justice, I don't have it all right. Like, I am being so challenged by God as I've been preparing this. And, um, and I really feel like God is wanting to challenge us today, church. And so I'm going to read the scripture from Jeremiah 7. And um, it's quite a long passage of scripture, so I'm not going to read the whole passage, but basically the background story is that the people of God were kind of coming into the temple, the place of worship, and they were kind of thinking, you know, God is happy with them because they're safe, they're coming into church, you know, they're worshiping God, but their actions when they left the temple were not worshiping God. They were mistreating people, and God was angry with them, and he was trying to tell them, this is not what it means to worship God. This is not what it means to follow me and to obey me when we mistreat people. And so I'm going to read from Jeremiah 7, verse 1 to 7. It says, false religion, worthless. It says, hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Don't trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and you do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. And in verse 26, then it reads, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked, and they did more evil than their ancestors. And I was like, okay, God, <laughs> I think you're saying something here. And the definition of stiff-necked is a stiff-necked person refuses to turn the head in order to take a different path, stubbornly refusing to change one opin one's opinion or chosen course of action despite attempts to persuade one to do so. And maybe today, church, that God is wanting to challenge us, to remind us, to encourage us. I think sometimes we get it wrong. We want to come into church and sometimes we, you know, we're ticking the box. I'm doing the right thing. But when we walk out of this building, what are our actions? What are we saying? What are we doing? Are we being a representation of Jesus to this world? Or are we just kind of feeling guilty? Oh yeah, I should do this or I should give here. I think God is wanting a complete transformation of our hearts, of our actions, that we could, I know for me, going, God, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, God, we have become numb and we have just let the, the pain of injustice continue. And so it leads to my next point is that we need to make other people's problems my problem. Like what the video was saying. And if we're honest, I know, it, I've done it before, you know. Sometimes we have the wrong motives when it comes to acting justly. The majority of the time, it feels good. You know, we, we make ourselves feel better or maybe sometimes it's a bit of guilt and we're like, oh yeah, I should be doing this. I'll give to this charity when it suits me or when I feel like it or I'll help out there when it suits me or when I feel like it. And they said a statement that it's courageously, it's a, a selfless way of life, is that it's not about us. It is not about us and our feelings. And acting justly is costly and it's not easy all the time. And when we think about Jesus' life, he made all of our problems his problem when he died on the cross, and that he's now given us his spirit to be able to witness to others, that, that church, that we are the body of Christ. That is who we are, that every single one of us get to play our part, and that we can go, you don't need to live with those problems anymore. Jesus has paid the price. Come and get to know who he is. I want to be a representation of who he is because he has paid the price. And so the reality is, is that it's messy. It's costly. It's hard work and it's not a quick fix. And, you know, I was involved um, in, in love ministry, one of the Be the Change outreaches that we have here. And um, we would... Love ministry stands for loving the outcast, the vulnerable, the exploited. And, you know, if we're honest, you know, and, and, and hearing about human trafficking and our hearts being stirred and going, God, I want to do something. And in my mind, I had, you know, this kind of fairy tale idea of like, okay, God, we're going to go to the streets on Friday night and we are going to, you know, just love on them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to help them get off the streets, you know, for the ladies who are sex workers. And we're going to help them get into rehabilitation centers. And awesome, it's going to happen in one week. We're going to go there and we're going to see change happen. Two, three, four years down the line, every Friday night, God, it's not about us. It's about what you're calling us to do. And it's cold and it's rainy and I want to be in my bread on a Friday night. But God, no, this is what you've called me to do, to go and love the unlovable, to reach the vulnerable, to show them who Jesus is. There were many nights when they would swear at us, when they didn't want to talk to us, you know, where you walking the streets of Pantown, it's dodgy. You've got the drug dealers. We had guys walking, kind of following us. And I'm like, yeah, what, what? You know, I'm like, people are like, uh, you know, let's just be wise here. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hunt you down. I'm going to report you to the cops, you know, like, but, you know, you just get like so full of pride and you're like, I'm going to do this. But the amount of times when the girls would tell us, oh, I want to change. And next week, you know, it's the same thing. And it's heartbreaking. And you're like, God, why isn't, why aren't we seeing change happening? Why aren't they wanting to, you know, to make these changes? And church, I really want to encourage you is that our role is not to be their savior. That is Jesus' role. Our role 
is to continue to act justly. How they respond and what they choose to do is between them and God. But that we would not get weary in doing good. We would not get weary in playing the part that we are called to play and to act justly and to be a representation of Jesus, to be the image bearers of God. You know, we've also had amazing breakthroughs at times with those ladies. We, I remember the one evening we were praying for them before, and we just had this, this um, word of forgiveness. And I will never forget that night. We were chatting with the same. We had built friendships with these ladies. They knew us. And we, we, we got a conversation going with them. And I think Christelle, she's doing amazing work, by the way. Uh, they are still, despite COVID, they are praying every single week for those ladies. She has just taken it on board, and it's just been amazing to see. But um, she was chatting with one of the ladies, and, and um, one of the, the girls was talking about how there's unforgiveness towards her family. And I'll tell you something I'll never forget, that as we spoke about the forgiveness of God, it was like the Holy Spirit just came. And he literally, we had three ladies, they, I'm not joking, they dropped to their knees weeping, weeping with the love of God that overwhelmed them. There was like, like these um, kind of, you know, where it talks about like your, your eyes being blinded and like these scales were removed and they were weeping. And for like half an hour, we just sat praying just praying with them. And they were just saying, sorry, God. And they were just receiving the forgiveness of God and wanting to go, yes, I'm going to go and, you know, forgive and, and take that stand. And the next time we saw them, that one lady was like, I went to my mom and I, I forgave her. And there was this um, just breakthrough in my life. And that night we took her in our car and we dropped her off at the rehabilitation center. And there was a season of where she was um, journeying to, you know, become a, um, a beautician and she was working through it and there was two or three times where she left and she came back and she left and she came back and I think the sad reality is is that that pull was too much for her and she went back into the streets and it's heartbreaking and you're like God I can't keep doing this God why aren't they changing why don't they want this I'm not the savior that is God's work. Some are called to water, some are called to pump, but God is the one who makes it grow. And I don't know what God is going to do with her life, but I know that, that God has got her and that she's going to have to answer before God for the choices that she's made. But church, let's not get weary in doing God. Let's, good. Let's not get weary in being the witnesses, the image bearers of our God. That is our role. That is our responsibility. The next point I want to make is that, that we need to speak up together that we can make a difference. And I don't know if, so some of you who know me, I often wear this necklace. I do have other necklaces, but this is a very special necklace to me. I received it as a gift when we were in China with the worship team. And there's an amazing organization called Eden Ministry, and they work with restoring victims of human trafficking. And so they teach these ladies to design jewelry, and then they sell it. And it's a way of awareness. You know, often people ask me about it, and I'm like, oh, cool, actually, so the story behind this, they're like, oh, cool, I want to check it out. And we've got amazing local organizations doing the same thing. We've got Red Light that I was a part of for um, a year, and they've got an amazing restoration program. They also sell jewelry and, and um, upskill these ladies. And 
the scripture on this necklace is, is so profound, and they actually mention it in the video as well. And I want to read it out. It's from Proverbs 31, verse 8 to 9. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. And every time I wear this, it's a reminder to me that we can speak up that we are called to speak up. And just to encourage you with that, church, is that there are so many different ways that we can speak up. As individuals, as a church, as a community, and also really just felt to say is that you don't have to be the loudest to speak up. Sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, like some people are posting on social media or, you know, that seems like a really huge, big organization that they're doing this and they're making all this change. Don't compare. What is God asking you to do? He's going to place something within your heart where you feel stirred in this area to go, I cannot let this stay the same. Because sometimes when there's too much, we're like, whoa, 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 I can't do anything. There's just too much. Focus on the one. It's that, that, that analogy of the starfish story. Focus on the one and go, God, what is it? What is the, the body of Christ? What part have you called me to play in acting justly? What does that look like for me? It might not be the loudest. It might not be the biggest. But when all of us play our part together, our actions will speak up louder than the injustice. But it takes for every single one of us to go, I'm playing my part, God. It's not about me. I want to lay down my life. I want to seek first your kingdom, your will, not my will. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that as we're seeking out other people's problems, God's already got us. He's already sorted us out. He's not asking us to be worried about what we're going on. He's asking us to fix our eyes and to, to seek out people who are dealing with the injustices and make it our problem. And God sorts out us. He's got us. And so to challenge you, maybe, you know, we look at all the amazing organizations, even within this church, and I'm going to speak about that, but maybe it needs to first start within your home or within your school or within your friendships or within your varsity or within your workplace. Maybe it's those everyday injustices that we kind of just look past or we think we can't change. If we can all be determined to go, you know what, I'm going to actually say something. Or I'm going to start um, acting differently. I'm not going to allow that to continue. When we can challenge the everyday injustices that carry on, we can eventually to start changing communities and the social systems. And we want to prevent it from happening in the first place. And you know, it's so exciting. I love being a part of this church where we get to see you know, the amazing work that, that everyone is doing to, to see change being happening, to act justly. And I know that we want to we wanna dream more as a church because there is still so much more to be done, church. But it's amazing just to see the different ways that people have got involved and, you know, that sustainable restoration and rehabilitation. We've got Nganiyami working with those who have been orphaned, with the widows. We've got True Life speaking up, you know, for the injustices that the young generation are facing. Open hands that we started during COVID, you know, where we are providing relief to those who are disadvantaged 
advantage in terms of just not um, having enough, you know. There's a counseling ministry, the Be the Change ministries. There is countless ways for us to get involved, to act justly. So what is our response? This is my final point. What is our response? And we're going to watch a video just now that True Life made called Tumamina. Here I am, send me. Here I am, God, send me. And church, it's not a once-off thing where we feel happy and we've done a good deed or we've given or we've served in that way. It's a continual lifestyle of going, God, I want to be your witness. I want to bear your image. I want to lay down my life. I want to seek out those who have got problems and make it my own. I want to speak up, God, to be the body of Christ. And church, it's not just on a Sunday. It's every single day that we can come in here, be refreshed, be reminded, be encouraged, and we get sent out. There's still so much more to do. And let's not let COVID be an excuse. Yes, we've got to be wise, and we may have to change our strategies and how we do things, but God is still moving. God is still working. He's still wanting for us to act justly, to respond to those who are vulnerable, those who are exploited. Let's not be a church that has a stiff-necked attitude or response. Let's be known as a church that turns our heads to seek out, to make other people's problems our own, who speaks up together, who look and act like Jesus. And I want to just leave you with a quote that Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. So let's watch the slam by true life. Here I am, send me.